Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. Today we're going to talk about two things that everybody loves. Elvis and tickling. Elvis Presley, of course, the rock and roll singer who changed everything. We're going to meet a little bit later on in the show, Steve Michaels. Steve Michaels is an Elvis tribute artist. They don't call him impersonators anymore. He is the star of a show called Return to Grace that has been touring around the world for a few years now. He looks and sounds just like Elvis, and pretty soon we'll find out why and how you become an Elvis tribute artist. First up though, I want to introduce you to David Ferrier. He is a New Zealand-based journalist. He's a self-described light, fluffy journalist uh, who looks for interesting pop culture stories to write about. One day he came across a very strange video on the internet. It was about competitive tickling. He thought, what a great story. I'm gonna look into this. And that started a journey that led to the movie Tickled. It is his investigative reporting on the strange, the underbelly, the weird world of competitive tickling. And in particular, one company that did not want to be investigated. Here's a listen to David Ferrier. When you came across the video, you talk about this in the movie, but tell mm. me, when you came across the video, what grabbed your attention about it and why did you decide to pursue it? Yeah, it was, I mean, I, in New Zealand, I'm always trying to find like, a story that no one's seen before, like you know, and it gets harder and harder. You know, I've been doing this for ten years now, and I used to, you know, be on the internet in places I think before other people weren't, and I could sort of surprise people. Got harder and harder to do that because everyone's on the internet. Facebook is sharing the craziest thing you've ever yeah, seen, yeah. you know. So my job was getting harder and harder. But when um, I came across this tickling video. It was like, I don't know, like alarm bells went off. It was just something about the aesthetics of it. You've got these like young, like model-esque young men in Adidas gear, like bright Adidas clothes in this stark white room. <laughs> and one of them's tied down on something with like shackles. And they're tickling and they're having a great time. And it jumped out at me because I thought genuinely this might be some sort of Adidas sponsored Genuinely, maybe that's naive, but I thought something to do with the Adidas clothing. I thought this is legit. But like it could have been because it could have been something like uh, marketing people saying, "Let's make a viral video." Totally, we'll make something that will and it was go yeah, viral. and it was so it looked. It wasn't shot on a cell phone. It was, it was shot in a, a studio. It was in a studio, and that costs money to rent. You know, it's not in someone's bedroom or something. Yeah. So it, it was all those aesthetically. It just grabbed me, and and the videos were long. And that's something that maybe doesn't come across in the documentary because we didn't show too much for legal reasons and for just half an hour those some of those videos half they just went on and on oh, and non-stop tickling non, they'd swap every 10 minutes they'd swap so someone would swap out but and there were hundreds of these hundreds of these videos and the volume of it is was just massive yeah they were everywhere hundreds so you know 800 videos sitting on a vimeo site unbelievable you know so, six people in each <laughs> you know this was huge so it had to be legit yeah yeah. And so you follow up, and then the, the, the point at which the movie, for me, 
became something else mm. other than this offbeat story was when you get the first letter back. So mm. you get the letter back and mm. the language in the letter was mm. uh, something that you would not expect. No, the homosexual journalist yeah, absolutely. thing. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. And that was on their public Facebook page. <laughs> so this is on a page with like 22,000 likes. There's people viewing it. Yeah. And I publicly, because I emailed them. I emailed this company and in they, good faith. in good faith, and they emailed back saying we have to check with our legal team if we can do press or not. Paraphrasing. About a week went by and I forgot about it, and then I thought, oh, I didn't hear back from that email, so you know they they never got back to me again. So I just will post it on their public Facebook wall, and that's when this Debbie Kuhn woman jumped in with this, you know, we don't want to just straight away, straight to this really aggressive response. Well, and did you, I mean, not only is it kind of shocking to get a letter mm. like that, and I mean, it must you know, blow your hair back mm. a little bit, but, you know, given the kind of homoerotic nature of totally. the videos, yeah. it must have seemed even doubly weird. It was like a short circuit. Yeah. It's, it's not like, these videos are some of the, just they're inherently look gay. Yeah. They, anyone could look at this and just think there's something, you know, it's attractive men in tight-fitting athletic clothing on top of each other tickling. Yeah. And so to get that response from this company making these videos that they don't want a homosexual journalist to be involved because it's not gay, there's all sorts of logic problems that just fire <laughs> off in your brain there for so many reasons. You know, why does it, why does it matter what my sexuality is? You know, that'll be, they'd, they'd been Googling me and, you know, why does it matter what my sexuality is? Why does it matter that I'd cover that or wouldn't cover it? Why does it matter what the sexuality of people attracted to the sport is? Yeah. So, yeah. And <clears throat> the movie, I mean, it, then it becomes a thriller. Then it becomes something else. And, and mm. it really does. It sucks. I mean, there were moments when I was, like, literally on the edge of my seat. Yeah. And yeah, because it, 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 it works its way towards that kind mm. of thing. But I'm not sure that I walked away understanding exactly why they wanted to shut you down in the very beginning. I mean, I get it. I kind of get it, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's why? so bizarre. No, because if, if that first post on Facebook had been, we're, bus we're too busy, yeah. you know, we, I would have probably moved on. Exactly. But it was because it was such... But I think this company, this company does so many strange things. And I have to talk about it in this obscure yes. language. So yes. I'm sure you understand. Please, please do. But I, I think that's part of the, part of it, of them is the game. It's this, it's this game they're playing. And they, you know, like they, they love tickling. And yet there's obviously as it came out that they, they love bullying and abusing and sort of derailing lives as well. And I think they can't help themselves. And so when I come along, there was just like another target for them. Yeah. Because they target whoever does something that they don't like. You know, we don't want to make another tickling video. You know, thank you for the three trips to LA. Thanks for all the cash. But I just don't want to come on this next shoot. And it turns on you. Yeah. And I think me poking around as a journalist, because no one apparently, it's, I guess I can only assume that no one else had looked into this yet. Right. Which surprises me. It's just the right timing. It's the right timing. Because they have Facebook ads, and I've noticed since I saw that original website, I started noticing the Facebook ads targeting me. Right. Are you ticklish? With a little screen grab of dudes in really? Adidas gear. <laughs> so I just think, you know, maybe if I'd come a year later, someone else would have dived down this rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. But and so the, the movie becomes uh, a thriller, but it also becomes um, about uh, cyberbullying, and it becomes a, a much larger story there. And we meet people whose lives were... I don't know if destroyed is exactly the right derailed. word. Certainly derailed. Derailed, yeah. I'd yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and as you got further along in the story, mm. was there a point where you were like, I don't really feel safe anymore? Like, I, I, not safe yeah. physically, but, but for your 
No, know, totally. I mean, if I, someone wants I, to make you miserable online, they can do it. Yeah, completely. I mean, I've always felt I have an advantage because I've always had this, and I can't speak on behalf of Dylan, who I made the film with, but I've always had a thing online where I don't mind if I look like a bit of a fool. So if my, my Instagram feed isn't just photos of me looking, trying to look cool, right. or I've got photos of me just like looking like a mess. And it's <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'm out there enough. If, if I embarrass myself enough, no one can do it for me kind of thing. Yeah. And I thought it's, a little, it's hard to explain, but like, and because I'm in New Zealand, I've sort of got a little bit of a profile. I I'm already out there. So it's like, he could come at me I won't say he. They could come at yes. me with whatever, and what's the worst they could do? And also, I'm an entertainment journalist in New Zealand. I don't have money, right? So it's like, what am I going to lose? I don't have a housing portfolio. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. in, a, in a way, I was just like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And there were elements during the film where I was there was concern for physical well-being, yeah. but I think Dylan. We had a great little team, you know. We had Dom, who was our DP. We had Cam, our soundie, Dylan, and myself. Right. And we looked out for each other, you know. But we were pretty wary, like being in, in Muskegon there at one point. Yeah. You know, in this town where we literally didn't know, you know, we were there to meet certain people, and we didn't know whether they were who they said they were. And, you know, by that amount of time, we'd been threatened so much, we didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Yeah, and you don't. I mean, that's the thing about this. Like, the, mm. the, it's the unknown, I suppose. It's, you know, when, when you meet the, the cops, when you come over from L.A. at the airport yeah. with the sign, with the rainbow-colored sign. That was so weird, because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know whether they were going to be angry I was there, whether they were going to be happy, and you, you saw the reaction. But they and were it's fine at first, and then all of a sudden it was like, turned. you will not treat me with, or Without I need respect. to be treated with respect. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Out I would of not nowhere. You know? Completely. Flared up pretty quickly. Yeah. And it's funny, because we were... Um, you know, we turned up at the airport when they arrived in New Zealand, and um, a colleague of mine at the network, I just, I told him it was a weird thing, but can you come out to the airport and just film something for yeah, me? Yeah. And it wasn't hiding. You know, he was right next to me, camera. You know, it wasn't a huge TV camera. It was like a little. He was holding it here, but they just didn't notice. I think because of my sign. Right. And so the moment where they clock that they're being filmed, that's where it really changes. Yeah, yeah, it does, and mm. you can feel the switch going off. Mm. And at that point, did you think? From here on in, it's going to be weird. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because when it changed, already, uh, but it when weird. it changed to the real world, you know, because we had the emails back and forth, mm -hmm. the Facebook, and so much correspondence that we couldn't stack into the film. Yeah. So much batshit, insane <laughs> correspondence. <laughs> then the law, the legal letters yeah. turned up, and that's another level. But still, felt like this is a. I'm in New Zealand. They're in America. Right. But then, when they physically sent people to meet with us for a week on home turf that was where it was like what the fuck is going to happen and they flew like, them over first class yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so America. there's, there's money. money there's yeah. money and that's where it's like the money's real you know the, the, there is money in this and they're prepared to send them here despite not having started shooting a documentary you know we, we had a kickstarter <laughs> out there funding it um yeah, utterly bizarre when it crossed into real life that was a very weird transition yeah it's the weirdest airport pickup i've ever done <laughs> That's <laughs> for sure, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And it's made me super wary when I arrive now in another country with some of these festivals when I arrive at the airport. I'm always curious, like, what other weird interactions are happening right, right now yeah, around yeah, yeah. me? Yeah. And did the movie uh, turn out the way that you envisioned in that, did you kind of expect when you went to America what you would find? Or it yeah, was it changed. 
So we took two trips. So we got funded by Kickstarter because we had to go to America because there was a competitive tickling shoot happening. Mm. So we went on that first shoot and we thought that was going to be, you know, we got our Kickstarter still online. It's like $27,000 or something we raised. And that got a bunch of us volunteers, our friends, um, you know, Eves came over and did sound and another friend of mine, Dan, came over and Dylan and I. We went over, we thought that was going to be the documentary, but we found out so much new stuff over there, everything shifted and changed. We came back, and we had the decision of whether we were going to make a documentary out of what we had, or take it up a notch. And that's where we got some funding from the New Zealand Film Commission. Um, And we basically went back again, with a bit more of an idea of what we were going to get. And on that trip, we, in a very basic sense, we got what we'd planned to get you know we put a a hell of a lot of thought in where the story would go because as well as telling the current story of what we're involved with it's also got this history to it Mm -hmm. so we were we we went in incredibly well planned things of course things happen on the shoot changes things but we we went in pretty prepared we're still surprised by a few moments my, my favorite uh, quote from a documentary film, Michael, there was a legendary guy called mm. Alan King, Canadian yeah. documentary. I know that like, name. Yeah, he's a, he's a legend here. And uh, I said to him, how do you know when you're at the end? Like, yeah, how do totally. You know how when, do you know when it's like, oh, when you run out of money. No, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's exa- and we literally, like, there's, there's two really key scenes in the film, and we got those literally on the last three days of a really long shoot. Wow. And if we, I, I always think to myself, if we hadn't got that, what would we do? Yeah. Would we find a way to finish the film in a different way? Would we have to go and raise more money? All I can say is that I'm super thankful that we got what we got on those days. And is it better for people to walk into this knowing nothing like Definitely. I did? I wish I wasn't doing this now. I wish there was no trailer. I wish there was no reviews. Yeah. Uh, I just wish people could hear that there's a film called Tickled. It's this thing about the sport of competitive endurance tickling. I've got nothing on. Let's go to the movies and see what happens. Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. And I'll tell you, mm. Because that's how I saw it. And, and I'm so this, glad. As this thing unfolded in front of me, uh, I was really taken with it. Yeah, cool. I mean, that's what I wanted people to feel that they were on that same what the fuck yeah. journey I was on with Dylan yeah. at the time. You know, where. Because honestly, I, I, I still can't believe this has happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an unusual thing. And has there been any blowback? At the, by the, at, mm. the, at the point at the end of the film, mm. everything just kind of stops. Yeah. You know, all, the, yeah. all the Facebook posts. And now, so once we premiered at Sundance, things flared up again. So a few things happened. Some of the people from the film, from Jane and Brian Media, um, turned up at Sundance. And so that was a very surreal experience for the audience because they'd be watching um, this character on screen and then they'd be sat next to them. So that happened. I got served in um, Missouri at the True False Festival, so I got named in a lawsuit, one in Utah, um, where Sundance was, and one in Missouri, where True False was. So two lawsuits yeah. going on. But we've, you know, we've, we've, we took this pretty seriously and we, you know, everything's been through a lawyer. Right. So we'll just see what happens with those lawsuits. Do they keep you up at night? I'm. It's been two years now, and I'm so used to threats, and and I, I, it doesn't. Other things keep me up at night, not this. Yeah. Do, do you think, like, when it was over, mm. because at, at the end, that by the time we get to the end of the film, mm. it kind of looks like everything's settled. Down. Totally. Yeah. yeah totally. And yeah. Do yeah. you think, okay, whew, that's it? It kind of did. No, I did naively, so possibly, but I just thought that we'd pushed so far, the company hadn't got what they wanted, we'd made our documentary that maybe it's just, it's going to stop and it's all going to completely disappear but 
yeah, once it was actually, I mean, maybe maybe they thought the documentary wasn't coming out. Maybe they thought we shot this thing and we'd we'd run out of money and we were from New Zealand. You know, or we're way we, off in New Zealand. Or we'd air once on New Zealand. TV totally, we'd air at like midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had our sites hit set higher than that. We had a, such a supportive group around us. And obviously it's got bigger, so they have reacted, and which is why all this is happening now. Wild. But I mean, part of the reason of making it that Dylan and I both believed in is that in the act of making it, hopefully we can shut down what's happening. Right. Just by it being out there in the world. Yeah. By being bigger and loud. Or hmm. big and loud. Yeah. Totally. Big, loud and scary. Um, what do you hope people take away from it? Because as mm. I think about it more, mm. uh, I, I, I really think about the, the, the cyberbullying and I think about how it becomes a much larger story then. It becomes, mm. you know, for me, it's it's everyone on Facebook and every everyone who's ever taunted someone totally. on Facebook, that's the ugly face that's behind it. Mm. What do you want people to take away? I think there's a few things. I mean, uh, hopefully people that come along, it's that very simple lesson of, you know, not everything is as it seems. Yeah. And, you know, if you're engaged on anything on the internet, just, you know, just look into it yeah. before you dive in. This is sort of the, the idea of being accepting of who people are and what they do. I think there's this, you know, a lot of the people, you know, in these tickling videos are bullied, but then also there's a reason, it's a big cycle of bullying, and you find out some things about, about the company and possibly reasons that things are this way and it's just just don't bully people like it's a big cycle yeah. <laughs> like and, and just i guess on a slightly cheesy level just like be yourself if you're into something just be as long as you're not hurting anyone just be like out and proud about it and just try and have that confidence so we're living in 2016 um we've got a long way to go but if you can try and just be yourself it's going to help you like don't just repression is bad and bad things happen well because on the face of it you know these tickling videos are fairly innocuous. I mean, totally I mean they're, they're weird, but they're fairly innocuous. Like, Completely. I, I would come across them and go, "Well, oh, it's not my totally. thing." Totally. Click on right. One hundred percent. People, if you want to do it, you want to do it. Totally. And there's this huge, you know, there's a. I think the, the what can come out of feeling potentially feeling shame or unhappiness with how you are can can lead to some pretty. I think some pretty leads to some people doing some pretty bad things. Yeah, going to dark places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think those are kind of the lessons. At some point, Tickled will play near you, or it will stream near you, or it will come to you somehow, and I ask you, I urge you to grab it. It's a really cool movie, and it takes you places that you don't expect to go. I went in not knowing much about this film. I thought it was going to be just a quirky little pop culture puff piece about competitive tickling. How weird could that get? Well, I had no idea how weird it could get. It's a fantastic film. Have a look for it. It's called Tickled. Steve Michaels, I talked about him a little bit off the top. Uh, he is an Elvis tribute artist. Do not call him an impersonator. They don't do that anymore. And uh, he's an interesting guy. I wanted to know, how do you become an Elvis tribute artist? Here's what he had to say. When did you first see Elvis? When did you first become aware of Elvis? Um, it would be because, uh, way like my, my mom, I yeah. guess you can say childhood. Grew up with him. Uh, just uh, he was around every, every everywhere I looked. Because my, my mom had him on television, and there was the music playing, and then uh, and then I just adopted my own fan yeah. ship towards him. Yeah. And uh, and then next thing you know, you know, years later, I'm standing on stage and 
sliding into the leather suits. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and when when was there a moment when you said, okay, well, I'm going to be you know an Elvis tribute artist. I'm going to do this because it it is uh, the path less taken. There's not as many. <laughs> there, there, there's not as many of you around. You guys haven't had that revelation <laughs> no. when you wake up and then you know the next morning. But, no. but for you, like to to make it seem like it's real, like I can actually make a living at this. Yeah, uh, I try to tell my dad that uh, <laughs> the um, you're going to do what? No, it's been uh, it's been 20 years that yeah. I've been uh, performing my tribute. I uh, at the time I th- just thought I had something to offer because again, we were, everything was so inundated with the jumpsuit, 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 heavy set uh, males in in the role of Elvis. And and that's, you sort of cut off just before those years, right? The Vegas years where he was a little heavier and the, uh, I don't know if you watched the show Vinyl. Uh, but the the Elvis that was on that show, he's a buddy of mine. Yeah, is he? He yep. was amazing. Yep, it yep. was an amazing portrayal. But that's not what you do. No, I. Uh, I mean, I could go there with the yes. character. I mean, if it was asked of me to go there, yes, I could go there. But uh, you know, I, we with Return to Grace, we just tried to put the idol back into right. back to grace, like returning him back to where he was. And uh, yeah, because I mean, he was a young, thin, you know, guy that just would take the world by by storm and, and stage as well. And um, and so that's what we do. So we, we concentrate less on the the, you know, the stereotypical uh, banana and peanut butter yeah. and jelly and donuts <laughs> kind of thing and um, and concentrate on uh, what he was about. And that's what I try to do. Just concentrate on what he was about, humanitarian, the uh, and the performer, and he didn't really record anything of any great significance in the last three or four years of his life, anyway. So it's not like we're missing out by not covering that period of his career. It's yeah. not like you're there's a bunch of songs you can't sing or that you wouldn't sing because mm-hmm. I think like "Burn in Love" and and suspicious suspicious minds, which are in the show. Yep. Um, that's about sort of that's later day. Elvis, and that's about as late as it got, right? Yeah, I mean, La- Elvis's last number one hit single was uh, Suspicious Minds yeah. in 1969, and then when he when he passed right. in 77, Moody Blue right. and Way Down, uh, that pseudo-disco kind of thing that he was doing, went to the charts, but it was uh, more of the country stuff. Right. And he delved di- like completely deep into... Um, into uh, country music in, yeah. the, in the 70s. So his hits stopped in about the mid-70s, like 72, 73. The thing that I'm amazed by the whole Elvis thing is that you've got someone who, who passed away in 1977, mm-hmm. and yet there is a generation. So uh, the, the generation after that, so okay, they grew up with him. They saw him. But then there's another generation and another generation that are still Elvis fans. And, and you must see, as you look out over the audience, that there are some very young people in the audience that know all the words to the songs, who know, and it, it, that, that don't just regard Elvis as being like my grandmother's music or, or anything like that. And I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that there are many other artists. Maybe the Beatles might have mm-hmm. that. The Rolling Stones possibly. But I, Elvis as a solo act. I mean, you don't see Perry Como. Uh, fans, you know, 17-year-old Perry Como fans out there. We Last night I was looking in the audience and there was a, she had to have been about four years old. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, and she's bebopping and, and yeah, I, I mean, again, in the evolution, in the last 20 years of what I've been doing, I've noticed it. There was a time that I would be performing for my, for my mom. 
yeah, you know, and yeah, for yeah. my for my my grandparents kind yeah. of idea. And uh, and now uh, since um, American Idol, uh, Nineteen Entertainment, um, Lilo and Stitch, yeah. Disney uh, introducing Elvis to all these kids. Elvis has now become this brand new phenomenon, and uh, and these kids are relating to it. You know the JXL, the remixes, and the whole the whole yeah. thing. And so Elvis is uh, is even bigger now than what he was when he was alive. How many scarves do you give away uh, in the course of a year? <laughs> <laughs> I've never really counted. You know what? It has it's to be, be hundreds, up in, right? yeah, well into the hundreds. <laughs> yeah, 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 well into the hundreds. What's your favorite little? Piece? Because you know you think of. Elvis has left the building and the scarves and the whole thing. Elvis had these these really interesting uh, uh, mannerisms and and things that became sort of part of the legend. What's your favorite part of the legend? I uh, I've always said it's all the small things yeah. that speak the loudest. You know. Um, I, li- I just like all the just the, the subtleties that he did. The way he would uh, purse his lips, the way he would stare up and, from his brow, the way he would just uh, hold his index finger. Yeah. Uh, it's all those small little things. But those are the those are the things that you you I can see that the audience is getting. Yeah. You know, and and because everybody can turn their lip up and curl their lip, and you know, but it's all the uh, it's all the smaller things that really make the character come to life. And um, and it's just. Uh, yeah, it's really heart heartwarming when when they when you make that connection. Do you have a favorite person that that uh, performs in the spirit of Elvis, other than yourself? You mean another tribute yeah. artist? Yeah, you know, oddly enough, I mean uh, Sean Sean Clush. He's a he's a, he's a buddy of mine. I've, I've grown up with him. He's the guy from Vinyl. He, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, on Vinyl, the characters are Vinyl. They run a record label and they go to Las Vegas and they meet Elvis, but it's Latter-day Elvis. Yes. And it's not the most flattering portrait, but it was a really poignant, touching scene, I thought. Yeah. Uh, you know, I um, I watched that and uh, just thought he, you know, did a great job. Yeah. Um, he portrayed Elvis very well. Uh, he He, too, holds the memory and yeah. he he loves the man uh very much and so it was really interesting i mean i haven't talked to him since but it would be really quite interesting to talk to him because i like to f- figure out because nobody really wants to go there so i guess yeah. it was exciting for him to actually go there yeah. and uh yeah no he uh, he did a he did a good job he did a very good job you wear leather suits <laughs> you wear you wear sequins it, it's like seeing elvis in about 1974 Four, I bet. Is that about well, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the show well, it, it, it starts off. It start, yeah. yeah, it starts off at the humble beginnings of 1954. Uh, so, of course, it's the sports coat with the uh, you know the baggy pants and that. Yeah. And then we move through the through the eras, which would be the gold May, the yeah. sequins, and then that black leather outfit from the uh, comeback special, and then uh, finish off with the 1973, 1973. Aloha from Hawaii, right. uh, rhinestone clad jumpsuit. Yeah. 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 And do you have to, like, put Vaseline all over your legs to get those pants on? Because when I saw it a couple of years ago, I was like, how does he wear those? Yeah, uh, no, you just sort of, when you're sweaty, you just slide into it. <laughs> You've seen it. Bruce Almighty, right? It's that's one of those moments. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a chance to see Return to Grace, do it. It's a big show, like a big Las Vegas-style show. There's background dancers, there's a horn section, a string section. Uh, The only thing missing is Elvis himself, and Steve Michaels does a pretty good job at filling that gap. It's a good show. I recommend it. 
Want to thank you for coming by every single Monday at the House of Krauss. We throw open the doors and we invite you in. We let you mill around. We let you touch things and root through the desk drawers and do all that kind of stuff. But now visiting hours are over. We're shutting it down for another week. We'll be open again next Monday. You can come by for a visit. You never know who will stop by. Uh, I want to thank Steve Michaels. I want to thank David Ferrier. And I want to thank you for coming by each and every week.